On this week, we're talking about fiber optic certifications. Welcome to the show where we tackle a tough question submitted by installers, estimators, project managers, ICT personnel, and even customers. We're connecting at the human level so that we can connect the world. If you're watching this show on YouTube, would you mind hitting the subscribe button and the bell button to be notified when new content is being created? If you're listening to us on one of the audio podcast platforms like Stitcher, Apple, or Google, would you mind leaving us a five-star rating? Those two simple little steps helps us take on the algorithm, which helps us educate, encourage, and enrich the lives of the people in the industry. And finally, Thursday nights, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. What are you doing? We do a live stream where you get to ask your favorite RCDD questions about design, installation, certification, estimation, even career path. And finally, while this show is free and will always remain free, if you like to, if you find value in this content and you would like to help support this program, make sure you click on the QR code right here where you can buy me a cup of coffee. You can schedule a 15-minute one-on-one Zoom call with me or just find other ways to help support this platform. So as I mentioned, fiber optics is one of those things that everybody wants to migrate to in this industry. And what are the, what's the best way to do it? Because most people don't know fiber optics. They don't teach it in high school. So you got to get training. You got to get certification. Now, everybody's familiar with the most usual routes, but let's talk about one that's out there that I think is that you need to really give consideration to, and that's FOA. And I brought on the the founder of the FOA to join us today. Welcome to the show, Mr. Jim Hayes, Mr. Famous Jim Hayes, I might add. Famous or infamous? You know, I say the same thing. <laughs> I think sometimes they mean the same <laughs> thing, don't they? <laughs> Uh, different connotations. Yes, I've been a big fan of yours for years. Um, I've, you know, I've, I've recommended lots of people go to your 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 site and check it out over the years because I think that you guys have really made a, a a huge impact on our industry. But for those who may not know who the FOA is, can you tell us a little bit about who they are and who you are and what your experience you have? The FOA is a nonprofit professional association for fiber optics certifying body. We are doing uh, certifications for various aspects of fiber optics. And uh, we're worldwide. Rather interesting, if you want to spend a minute on that. Oh, absolutely, I do. Uh, by 1995, I'd been years myself. Um, my wife and I started one of the earliest fiber optic companies. And and um, the first thing we found in the early 80s was um, so we had to start training. And by the early 1990s, uh, trained about 10,000 people. Patterns. We, what we were doing is gathering up friends in the industry. A guy named uh, Dan Silver from 3M had a great idea. So in the early 90s, we started conferences that became number Fiber Universe. And uh, Dan and I and a number of other people, about a dozen of us, it basically the instructors of Fiber U, were having lunch and we said, you know, this industry is ready for a certification. And um, so 
we started uh, an organization association in 1995 uh, with about a dozen, 15 people from the industry, like Dan Silver from 3M and Eric Oity from Secor, which was coordination for fiber optics at the time. And um, the college profs, we had the head of standards for the Navy, Jim Davis, and we developed a certification for fiber optics and along the way, we had to start developing our own reference material. At that point, the only reference material for fiber optic installation came from manufacturers. And um, that led us to where we are today. Uh, locations uh, 25 years ago, a little over 25 years ago, uh, there's 200 active schools in 40 countries around the world. As of last week, 90,571 X. So uh, we expanded a lot. The uh, knowledge base on which everything is uh, the certification. And uh, we've just sort of grown organically. Sometimes call ourselves the biggest little professional society you never heard of. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say that. There's a lot of people out there who are very familiar with the with the, the certified fiber optic technician certifications. I know quite a few people with them. And um, I, I, for some reason, I thought you guys, I, must, I misunderstood. I thought you guys were a training organization, but it sounds to me you're, you have schools that work with you, but you're really more in the certification side of it. Is that correct? Yes. From the beginning, we decided training organization. And, and the reason is that the, the, uh, the people who started it were all trainers, was very different from what a certifying body did. And so we made them independent. We became the group that set the certification. Uh, most of us were active in TI standards for fiber optics. Some of us also were working in IE and other groups around the world. And the one thing that we understood was so the way the CFOT got started was it got started by creating for a fiber optic technician. We wrote them down into a terms, the knowledge, skills, and abilities that a fiber tech should have. We realized that what we should be doing is certifying people of training. A group that does training has conflict of interest because their goal is to train people and you should make but the uh, the fact that they're certifying people uh, but a little bit shaky so uh, we became the certifying body and uh, uh, those of us who were doing training at the time including my company folk and 3m and corning and panduit and, and two colleges that uh, profs were uh, instrument program. Uh, we all decided that we would set the standards for training. And uh, that was a very popular decision. There are already lots of people teaching fiber optics around the world. But what they do have standards to teach to or to certify to. Started adding organizations to our list of approved schools. It didn't take us long with that with that particular approach to expand to places like Canada and, and uh, all around the world. Uh, that that and, and strangely enough, that's the exact approach 
that. About 10 years later, when they wrote the standard for certifying bodies, 17024, which we follow. A certifying body and a training separate. So there we are. We've got it. Uh, we create so what, the standards and the schools do the training. So what's it take to, to create a certification program? About two years. <laughs> and lots of work, I imagine. Uh, lots, lots of work. Uh, all of the people that helped create back in the 90s were trainers. And we would get together periodically in a conference out and did a lot of emailing back and forth. We followed, uh, I mentioned the KSAs, the knowledge. You know, the KSAs were what we developed. And uh, the concept of the KSAs, it was used, for example, by the um, International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers to define what an apprentice should learn. Right. So, so essentially uh, had our own view of, of training. I was in the test equipment business. 3M was in termination business, cabling business, and practically everything else. And, and other companies, uh, organizations, uh, Jim Davis, who was writing the standards for the military involved in it. We had the head trainer of the Air Force who joined us and uh, uh, would get involved. And we, what we did was we defined what it should be. And once you can define that, then you know how to. One of our, our uh, college profs, had his master's degree uh, creating tests. So he taught us how to create tests that were, how would we define it? Proper. Mm -hmm. A test has to be designed to be an for what you're trying to test for. And this can be really good at that and helped us create standards internal so that when somebody takes a um, an FOA certification, that they have taken an exam created by people who know how to do testing and has been vetted. Extremely important for a skills-based certification like fiber is how do you define what skills need to be known and how do you teach those and how do you test those? So basically we, what, what was interesting in FOA when people thought about training, what they mainly thought about was splicing. But what we realized early on, when, for example, from people like Eric Lloydy of Secor, was that you had to be able to prepare cable. You had to be able to pull it. So we added a whole certification on cable prep and handling. And termination in the mid-90s were very different processes. And um, we added in even uh, a design. What what you have to do to create a valid certificate, get a very broad input from people who know in the industry. And the FOA has been very lucky to have that kind of belong. Over the years, it's expanded to be very worldwide. Our uh, expert on outside plant is in South Africa, it's in Singapore. We have a guy who's very big on um, patients and he's in Copenhagen. 
And then, of course, we have people all over the involved in all sorts of country companies and countries that and because we're a virtual organization. That is a brick and mortar organization. There is no headquarters. I'm in Santa Monica and uh, Georgia, North Carolina, Toronto, Durban, Singapore. And all of these people are the advisors that do the FOA, but the FOA is totally virtual. And uh, very uh, flexible, like about us, is low overhead operation that can offer certifications. At- so if somebody was, was wants to pursue their certified fiber optic tech certification, do you call that a CFOT or you just call it, what do you, how do you actually say that? I usually say CFOT, but people- CFOT, okay. Okay, so if somebody wants to get their CFOT certification, right, what can they expect to see once they sign up for, for, for the testing? There are several ways to take. The most common way is people who attend. And the most common kind of a course is typically anywhere from, for a CFOT, they are normally expected. Online course, we have a free online learning course. Uh, them at FiberU, FiberU.org. And so people will show, hopefully have a good background from the online course. They will spend half of their time in classroom and in hands-on activities. They'll learn how to prep tables. They'll learn how to splice. They'll learn how to test. They'll learn a little bit about design and do a quick design. That will prepare them for the exam. The other way that people um, it's standard in certifying bodies, is that uh, mind what one takes in a class and we help the school. We develop and give, they want to use ours, which they can adapt to their particular students. Join us by uh, our, what we call our work to cert program. The work to cert program allows you to become a certified technician. So basically you uh, make an application, you give us, a resume or CV, uh, we check your background. If you have the experience, you can stand for the CFOT exam free, so anybody can study for the exam in that FiberU course before they take the actual exam. So there's two really two ways people join us. I talked about boot camps because that's the most common way that classes are. Run. We have, I think, at the current time, a about 65 community and technical colleges that run courses um, in their, and we're, <laughs> I think we have a backlog right now. We have about 30, 30 waiting to uh, get in into the system. We also have about 35 IBEW apprentices that offer FOA certification. We've been working with the IBW entire history of the uh, FOA, and uh, this is the most successful apprenticeship program in the world. Uh, the IBW yes, has about 60,000 apprentices. The apprenticeship program now includes fiber optics, so everybody gets a, a training in fiber stand for certification. Let me ask you a question, Jim. So uh, you're obviously getting success. With the contractors and, and and the installers out in the field, have you seen that morph into customer requirements for jobs? Meaning, you know, the customer puts out a bid and says, "Look, people on this job site have to be a CFOT." 
Oh, yeah. Uh, we've lost track of the classification. DOTs do a lot of fiber. And um, popular there for years. And uh, we are the certifying body for the Society of, of Traffic Engineers, IMSA. A lot of companies that have um, essentially uh, participated in the program all along for it. AT&T, uh, for example, uh, has thousands of workforce. When Verizon uh, started Fios in 2007, they came to us and we helped them develop the training program to the home. And then we traveled the country with them to recruit people, be subcontractors. Statistics the other day, the, the largest operator of data centers is a big FOA. They basically send all their uh, through the uh, the FOA program. So I like the fact that you're talking about the DOT, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because there are some fiber training programs out there that really, they focus primarily on premise cabling and a little bit on outside plant cabling. What other areas, so you mentioned, I guess, the, the, the traffic cameras. What other areas are you training fiber on with the, FOT, with the FOA? Is it like? Uh... <laughs> oh, that's a funny question. I do everything from uh, general contractor training, who kind of thing, to uh, my favorite is group we got in, in the Philippines that specifically trains people for cables that are used for remote operation vehicles for undersea exploration. Oh, that uh, is cool. We've got people doing these at the Scott Amundsen base in uh, Antarctica. The FOA is anything in fiber optic communications. We have a few people doing lighting, but not a lot. And we get a quite information about medical. But for the most part, it's all community. Uh, we span all of the different application. We can look at it in how we develop book, general textbook that covers all applications, cabling book. We have an outside plant book. We have a fiber to the home. We have a fiber broadband book. We have a book and the dated one to write is the testing book. When we develop these books and their accompanying websites available online, you're right. There are organizations outside plant. There are organizations that only do premises cabling, and right. and that's one. That's one of the things I like about the, about your program. And then, and I absolutely love fiberu.org. I mean, like I said, every time I teach a class, I, and I don't, I'm not an instructor for FOA, just just so you know, but I, I teach for a manufacturer, and, yeah. and I always tell them, look, free training. You, you you rarely hear those two words together. Go to fiberu.org and and it's it's a great resource. It absolutely is a great resource. Let me ask you this question. So if if somebody goes out there and gets their CFOT, right? Um, can they realistically expect to see maybe an increase in their pay? We're not a a, a organization that tracks that, but I would say that if you look at anybody says about certifications. Certified tech is always more respected here to find jobs and gets paid more. Certificate, that's what certification is all about. The uh, certified fiber optic tech, once they get their certification, is there any requirements for continuing education, any requirements for 
I don't know, yearly fees, bi-yearly fees, or anything like that? Or is it just a one-and-done thing? We have always had the requirement in the business to be able to renew. The certification is good for three years. Every three years, you have to be active in the business. It's interesting that uh, we have a lot of long-termers. When we went through our 25th anniversary a couple of years ago, did some checks, and I found that at that point, we had almost 100 of for 20 years or more. What do you see is the biggest challenge that somebody who wants to get into, who wants to be a fiber tech or that the current fiber tech has to overcome? There's plenty of jobs. Uh, right now, uh, there are a lot more jobs than there are technician contractors. A few months ago, late last year, I got a call from um, a state agency that was asking us if we could get contractors to bid on the job. It was a $3 billion job. Just a small and, one. Okay. <laughs> and, and we talked to contractors and said, hey, why aren't you bidding on this? And they said, we have the resources. We don't have enough people. Now we're flat out. So there's plenty of jobs. The problem is that, one, there's not enough people getting trained out there, have gotten hired, and are doing OJT, but they're woefully incompetent. Well, here's the good news, Jim. Here's the good news. Because because of my day job and because of my podcast, I'm in touch with people all the time, all the time. There are a, a plethora of people out there who want their fiber certification, who want to learn fiber, who are new to the industry, and that's the thing they want to learn. But there's the, the, the drawback is there's a lot of companies not willing to make investment in training right now or investment in certification. Right. And that's that's why I see the biggest hang up right now. It's not because of people not wanting to learn, not wanting to certify. It's it's the companies are being real tight with their budgets. Well, thank thank you again for taking time out of your busy day and being patient while we work through all the technical issues. Take care, my friend. All right. Again, thank you for watching the show today. And I hope you found value in this content. And I apologize for the audio issues, but the content was so good and we spent three different times trying to figure everything out that I just decided to go with it. So I hope you don't mind that. Again, till next time, knowledge is power. That's it for this episode of today's podcast. We hope you were able to learn something. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on future content. Also, leave a rating so we can help even more people learn about telecommunications. Until next time, be safe.